When it comes to work, what is your big why? If you didn't need the money, would you still show up to your job? I'm John Weems. I've spent half of my career in the corporate world and the other half in full-time spiritual guidance as a pastor. I respect people of all views unless they are totally closed-minded a-holes. Welcome to Beyond the Check, the podcast where we talk about the big why of work and life. My guest today is a tech company founder I met at the NASDAQ Entrepreneurial Center in San Francisco. And while many founders have interesting stories, Ikram Mansouri is especially fascinating from growing up in Morocco to learning more than five languages, serving in the Army's 82nd Airborne Division in Iraq, and so much more, all before founding her company, Kura. Uh, Ikram, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Okay. So I know our listeners will want to hear more about your incredible journey prior to becoming an entrepreneur, uh, but let's start with your current passion. Um, what is Kura, and what was the source of your inspiration? Um, I am mostly passionate about innovative solutions that transform and support uh, social good one way or another. Um, and so Cura um, is Latin for care, um, and it is the first consumer-to-consumer marketplace for on-demand self-care services. Um, and I can delve in. Self-care is anything we do um, that makes us look good or feel good. And so... Um, in delving in and diving in into the research in that space, I focused on beauty simply because it had more inefficiencies than any other industry. Um, and also it is an extremely wealthy market. So it is projected to be at a trillion dollars by 2025. Yet the average American beautician or freelancer makes less than 36,000 a year. And by the way, that's, that is well below like poverty line. Mm -hmm. And so, um, in doing more research, we found out that over 92% of the service providers are actually women. Um, and on the other end, uh, for clients, specifically millennials, they have the spending or buying power of like $1.4 trillion. Mm -hmm. And millennials, um, do care about self-care twice as much as anyone else. And so, and it's still like uh, the issues continue to grow. So the bottom line is we're trying to build a community by providing this all-in-one solution and supporting the freelancers to succeed as entrepreneurs, as well as making self-care affordable, accessible, and convenient for everyone. Excellent. So your, your corporate experience prior to Quora included a stint at uh, Twitter in trust and safety. Can you talk a little bit about what you learned in your time at a, a well-established global phenom like Twitter? Um, it was definitely um, such an icebreaker to the tech world. <laughs> um, prior to that, I was uh, working in the government and military. Um, and so... Uh, what a better way to come back home, home, San Francisco, and uh, work at Twitter right down the street. Um, I had a really amazing time at Twitter, um, actually good and bad, like any mm -hmm. any other, uh, uh, I guess, job I've had before. But the most fascinating thing was just like those simple things. It was just like, what? I get to have breakfast lunch and dinner for yeah. free <laughs> um and it was like really great stuff there was like a gym on site uh they gave you like a gym allowance and gym clothing allowance and paid for your phone bill and all these other things i'm like wow this is like 
day and night. This is I didn't, uh, the whole time I'm like, oh man, I've been missing out. Um, and so, but also like, you know, like uh, I learned a lot about toxic, toxic versus inspiring leadership mm-hmm. um, and how that can really like affect the workplace. Um, so the one thing I've learned, I would say, know your worth. That mm-hmm. would sum up my whole Twitter experience. <laughs> okay, excellent. And it sounds like as you build Quota, those values are, are inspiring you to make sure that people understand their worth. Yes, absolutely. Especially the, um, there's one value that like really spoke to me um, at Twitter was seek diverse perspectives. Um, I tend to do that, but like seeing that in the values, the core values of a company, um, it really just resonated really well with me. Excellent. So let's uh, rewind and bring people back to your upbringing in Morocco. Um, Tell us a little about some of your early memories. Um, So (laughs) I was born actually at home at my grandma's house in a little town called Saleh or Sla, uh, which is right, right next to Rabat. Um, but I was raised in Yusufia, which is a really tiny little town uh, known for phosphate. My dad was an engineer at mm-hmm. OCP. I don't know, like, it's a phosphate mm-hmm. company. Um, and my mom was pretty much an artist. Um, she had like exhibits with like sewings and stuff like that. Um, I grew up an athlete. So the whole family was it's full of like judo champions <laughs> of Morocco yeah. with the exception of Hatim, my youngest brother, because he's too little. Uh, but, um, so I grew up playing the violin. I have great memories about Morocco, like great opportunities. Um, academically speaking as well, it was very challenging as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, that was, uh, when mom, actually moved to San Francisco in pursuit of a better life for us. Okay. And how old were you at that time? When she moved? Um, or when you moved? When here. I moved, yeah. actually, I was 16. Okay. Uh, and that was, a, <laughs> that was a funny story because prior to me coming here, I only had like uh, two semesters of English in Morocco. Mm-hmm. And like you just learn like how do you do like all these basic things, you know, how to the ABCs in English. Right. <laughs> And so I took the TOEFL and I came here and apparently I did good. Yeah. I, I knew my English. And so they're like, you're going to go to a regular school. So there's like international school mm-hmm. that, you know, uh, ESL students would go to. But I was extremely fortunate. I say fortunate because that Mission High School plays a major role in my upbringing as mm-hmm. well, especially my teen years. Um, and so shout out to all the teachers at Mission High uh, for putting up with me. Like some of them were so sweet. They they gave me the, this dictionary, English, French, and English, Arabic dictionaries, and just let me be. So yeah. I thank them so much for their support. So your, your language aptitude was really nurtured by the folks at Mission High in San Francisco? Um, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Excellent. So how, fast forward a little bit, how did your decision decision to join the Army come about? Ever since I was a little girl, mm-hmm. I wanted to be in the military. Mm-hmm. So I knew exactly what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a doctor in the military. So yeah. <laughs> so when I moved here, um, I um, this is the greatest military in the world, you know. And also, like, I felt indebted to the opportunities 
um, I'm as patriotic as they come. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the beauty of America. Yeah. Uh, you get someone like me who's born and raised in Morocco and comes at a 16 isn't really that young of an age. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to serve my country. And so I tried to join the Marines when I was in high school. I tested and everything, but my mom wouldn't sign the paperwork. And my uncle, who my great uncle, who had served in the army like a long time ago, he he's like, you don't want to do this. Like mm-hmm. you have good grades, go to college, and mm-hmm. then make the decision. Um, and so I did. I went to UC Davis mm-hmm. as a biology major. I'm like, okay, fine, I'll just be a doctor. Yeah, <laughs> just, just settle. Yeah, <laughs> just, fine. Um, and then a year later, I just went behind their back and signed up. The rec- recruiter was actually a family friend. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you do not tell my mom. She's like, she's going to be re- My mom, like, I think was mad with her for like a really long time. Um, and she's like, okay, let's well, try reservist or something. You know, yeah. I was like, no, I want to leave like next week to boot camp. So, um, and I did that. And I'm grateful, grateful I did that because I tapped into um, existing skills. I yes. just like made them better um and also you know i joined as a paratrooper the bottom line of that i went into the recruiting station and my recruiter had like all these badges Mm. that just looked amazing i'm like what is that and what is that it's like this is airborne i'm like you mean airborne jumping out of planes Mm -hmm. airborne he's like yes do you want to do it i said yes Mm -hmm. i would love that um and that was the start of my army career <laughs> so while we're on, on the subject, uh, as we record this, it's May. It's Military Appreciation Month. It I, is, I know yes. you're involved in many things. Uh, you talk a little bit about vets in tech. Absolutely. And what, what that's all about. Um, so yes, so May is, is the National uh, Military Appreciation Month. Um, vets in tech. Uh, I was fortunate. I uh, kind of. Around the same time, actually, I met you is when mm-hmm. I was I started uh, volunteering and working with Vets in Tech, and so what they do it is a nonprofit. It's a national organization that supports transitioning veterans, mm-hmm. uh, military spouses, reservists, National Guard, um, in into careers in tech, uh, whether that is through entrepreneurship or through like providing education. Um, uh, cybersecurity, web development, et cetera. And also we have employment coalition uh, full of amazing uh, companies like the Google, the Facebook, the LinkedIn, et cetera. And we bring veterans and their spouses together with these amazing organizations and uh, let the magic happen. And part of that is really just uh, veterans is a great, uh, veterans are great uh, leaders mm-hmm. um, and can really um, give back in the space of Silicon Valley, uh, where there's a lack of, uh, teamwork and emotional intelligence. And mm-hmm. I feel like veterans can break that. Well, and as we talked a, a little bit about it in preparation for this, um, there's a misconception that you have to be able to code to be employable in tech. Speak oh, absolutely. a little bit about yes. that. Yes. Yeah. So the stigma behind like, uh, what's also stopping veterans from coming out and pursuing careers in tech is, well, I don't think I can do that. Like, I'm not qualified for that. Um, and so the bottom line is 
you don't have to code. You don't have to be an engineer to be in tech. Um, tech needs project managers, needs product managers. They need uh, trust and safety. It's a long list of uh, skills that veterans and military personnel and spouses have. I know you were certainly uniquely positioned to empathize with people who have, have been through adversity. I know while you were deployed, there was some serious family drama back home. Can you talk yes. a little bit about that and, and the impact it had on you? So that was actually during my first deployment. Uh, so still like a lot of new factors playing in. And uh, my youngest brother uh, was stabbed nearly to death. Um, and... Uh, the man who stabbed him was mentally ill, um, homeless, and Hachim at the time, I think, was 11 years old, mm. maybe younger. This was on a muni bus in San Francisco. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I was I was in Iraq. I found out um, after he was stabilized, that's when I found out, mm-hmm. uh, which it was difficult because I couldn't come home. Um, I had to wait until like Christmas leave uh, for me to come see my little brother. Um, but I remember um, I did have the support I needed from my leadership and also uh, from my family, specifically my mom, to kind of comfort me and say, like, he's going to be all right. He's OK. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and he's doing well now. He's doing yeah. great. But he's not a judo champion. But he is like a yeah. wrestler. Okay. So you know, it's like he went to, I believe, state uh, yeah. uh, championship, <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's in him. Yes. <laughs> well, I know there are certainly many things that are classified and you can't talk about. But are there any other experiences of adversity that you can talk about that shape how you view the world? Absolutely. Um, so... Um, with adversity comes ease. Mm-hmm. It's like one of my favorite like quotes. I think it's it's from the Quran. I think mm-hmm. uh, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, I think um, we're faced with adversity on a single uh, every day. Mm-hmm. Um, it, we're all wired differently. I love to touch on that. And like my adversity, like my challenges are co- completely different than yours. Yes. You know, uh, you spilling coffee over yourself and your nice garment could be a challenge that could yes. break you for the day or the week or the month. Um, whereas for me, um, it's completely different. Um, I I would say my biggest were definitely during deployment. Mm-hmm. I have lost um, friends and teammates um, during missions. And I think that... Um, in those moments, you realize that, um, again, life is too short. I know it's cliche, but life is too short. Mm-hmm. Um, and how do you capitalize on those moments? Like, how do you um, mourn yet celebrate those memories? How um, how do you move forward as in general? And so part of that um, is <laughs> where actually I spent years working on my resiliency mm-hmm. And a lot of times resiliency go hand in hand with self-care. Yes. So really kind of like both like that's how Kura also started. It's like my self-care was always around beauty, beauty products. Um, It's just it made me feel better. 
So with Quota, I know it is early, but uh, any stories that stand out and drive you each day? Um, yes, I call uh, the Quota believers. <laughs> so we have grown our team from just two to now um, 17. Mm. Um, most of them are believers in the product um, with amazing backgrounds, Um either in the beauty industry or in the startup world and engineering. Um, And this is a time where like even family members are stepping up and how can we support you? Mm -hmm. Uh, Mom, my brothers. Um, And it's just such an amazing feeling. And so the whole time I knew I needed a support ecosystem uh, for me to really do this. Like I'm dropping everything and I'm pursuing um, a startup. It's extremely difficult. Um, but having my background in the military and like adverse facing mm-hmm. adversity in many levels in different ways, I just knew I, uh, all I need is a good support ecosystem. Know that at the end of the day, my mom had cooked a meal and I can go to her yeah. <laughs> and eat a meal with my family and see my little sister and know that everything's going to be okay. Yes. Um, even if faced with failures or faced with additional challenges, it will be okay. It's temporary. Um, yes. And so um, today, actually, later on today, we're going on a, a team retreat. So we are distributed. So we mm-hmm. work. We also all have other things to do as well. So they're not fully um, doing Kura alone because mm-hmm. that's that would be unfair of me. We're, we're you know the we'll get to the point where we can afford to have them full time. Then we'll do that. <clears throat> These people just believers and are willing to do volunteer and give me their time, as, and for me to show appreciation. We're taking everyone together. We're going on early morning hike tomorrow. We're doing a bit of medita- meditation. Mm-hmm. We're setting our intents and like managing expectations mo- moving forward. And I think it is extremely important to have that connection with the team and, and have a, um, um, a set and combined vision. Um, also, we're working on our core values as a team as well. So huh. um, I think that's beautiful. Yes. So uh, another podcast I enjoy is Reed Hoffman's Masters of Scale. I talk a little bit about the, the path you see Quota taking and what scaling opportunities and challenges you see. Um, so right now we're starting in the Bay Area because I, it is simply mm-hmm. where we're at. Mm-hmm. Um, but in conducting product market fit and market research, I've done it actually worldwide. I've done it in Morocco, Nigeria, South Africa, the Gulf region, um, also in Latin America. And what we found out is pretty much the same thing. It's like the same issues. So with CUDA, the solution we've come up with, um, it's globally scalable. Mm-hmm. And it will change um, uh, consumer behavior um, in the sense that because we're providing more of um, services in, uh, and the service providers are making more of their money, um, we're able to do it more often as clients. And also like the accessibility and affordability of it will play a role. So it's n- not by any means is it going to be an easy road. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it is 
going to be difficult. I know that, uh, but we have a team that is up for the challenge, and we see the um, the end goal, the vision, and that's what's driving us. I think we'd be happy once we get to the point where um, the freelancers um, are catered to as well and mm-hmm. are able to support their families just on one job. Yes. So for any investors out there who might be listening, what do you want them to know about you and your vision for Kura, and why should they prioritize an investment in Kura? Um, I think the biggest thing, like they always uh, talk about, is the team, the team, the team. Um, well, for me, the team always beats the lone genius, um, and it is the my, my my solution or the Kura solution is nothing without the community backing it up. Um, community being that the clients who will use the services as well as the service providers, the freelancers. Um, and so we've worked really hard to keep both in mind and also involve them. So my team is, we ha- we have freelancers, we have beauticians on the team um, in the executive uh, level making decisions with us. Um, we also want to tackle a number of um, additional issues like with insurance for example so like we've teamed up with like six female founded companies um, in different spaces like mm-hmm. insurance um, and even machine learning and artificial intelligence um, and people like just hear beauty uh, and go oh it's just a beauty thing mm-hmm. um, no we're extremely techy. <laughs> we did our first we were the first company to ever do a consumer pitch in virtual reality, which was really cool. Um, what was that like? Tell, tell us a little bit more about it. Um, I'll send you the, the link so yeah. like whoever's listening sure. can go to it. Um, it was a, a, an incredible experience. So essentially, we partnered uh, with a VR company along with other amazing teams in the space of like creative and design thinking in Silicon Valley. And we built our consumer pain points in virtual reality, this dome in virtual reality. So you put on your headsets and we're able to embody these little like, you know, mannequins mm-hmm. or toys, as I would say, and talk, interact, and people from people, audiences, um, potential investors from around the world, like joined in via virtual reality and was able to interact with us. It was very interesting. It was live. It was raw. So it was a lot of like, I guess, mistakes and people like walking to you or over yeah. you, talking over you. Uh, but it was it was fun. Okay. And was this connected with South by Southwest uh, in Austin? Um, I, no, okay. it wasn't. But I did okay. one pitch out of South, okay. South, South by South. Excellent. So as, as we look big picture, are, are there any other business or spiritual leaders that you admire that influence you in some way? Um, so many. Um, but I feel like, so like every day I wake up, there's a couple of, like, I think of a certain, uh, either book or a certain quote mm-hmm. or a certain person mm-hmm. as of lately, there's, um, a couple of, uh, strong female <laughs> founders that, you know, just keep coming up. Uh, Brene Brown, mm-hmm. have you seen her mm-hmm. Netflix? Yeah. Her Netflix, uh, show, about vulnerability and courage, um, her book, Dare to Lead, um, Oprah, Rihanna, 
um, and Serena Williams. So those like right now, like yeah. in my head. Um, reason I mention all those, um, I mean, Rihanna's running like multi businesses um, and in beauty, um, lingerie and like tackling diversity and inclusion uh, head on. Uh, Serena Williams, did you know she's like a nail technician? And so that alone, like, you know, makes me want to like, you know, like talk to her. Yeah. And then yeah, reach as, out. <laughs> yeah. Serena, if you're listening. Yeah. Um, and then also. Yeah, we're close she, personal friends. So all, all good <laughs> wonderful. Stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And then the other part is uh, she has her own VC. Mm-hmm. And uh, they invest in. Uh, female-founded companies. There's a lot happening in the space. Yeah. So if Oprah, anyone out there knows Serena, uh, please yes. connect <laughs> with Ikram. Uh, yes. Yeah, let's... I mean, even if you just let me shake her hand or yes. something. Yes. Excellent. That would be great. But those are the strong women that I I think of today. Yeah. So I know you have many things going on. What is a, a goal you have yet to achieve? I, I know at least one in particular that you're getting rolling on. Oh, starting on mm-hmm. um, a doctorate in strategic intelligence. Yeah. Um, and the, so one would think entrepreneurship and innovation has nothing to do with strategic intelligence mm-hmm. or with intelligence. I would say we're far from it. I think they overlap by so much. And that's a space I'm um, exploring through this uh, doctorate program. What's involved in the program? Um, in what sense? Well, you know, how, how, how do you balance building a company with pursuing a doctorate? And, you know, how, how intensive a program is this? Why not? The yeah. question to yeah. me is always, why not? <laughs> um, so I did my master's of science in entrepreneurship and innovation in mm-hmm. a year mm-hmm. or three semesters. So you don't need much sleep. I actually sleep like at least seven hours because if I don't sleep seven hours, I have TBI, traumatic brain injury. Mm. If I don't sleep seven hours, there's like definitely some mishaps. Like I wouldn't be able to talk, wouldn't be able to function. So actually I do get some sleep. There are times where I don't, uh, but then I just eventually crash. But Um, you get a lot into 17 hours, it sounds like. Yes. Your your waking hours are action-packed. Yes, like from my waking moments to like, I, I also don't have any days off. Mm-hmm. I will eventually. Yes. I used to have days off. Like I'm just in, in in a time where I know like I have a goal or goals and I know I need to just uh, work harder, manage my time better, do a little bit of self-care, you know, stop and smell the roses every now and then. And, you know, everything's going to be, everything's gonna be okay. Yeah. Uh, last question. I, I try to ask most of my guests, uh, what is your definition of success, Ikram? Um, in military terms, it is a uh, moving target. Hmm. Um, reason I say that is uh, success to me, <laughs> um, it, it starts very little to like having these like big goals and visions. And so the little things in the morning, like waking up in time, and actually, you know, like the little wins, as many call it. Um, and uh, if I had said that I'm going to work out and then I do it, that's success to me. Mm-hmm. Um, having a long list of to-dos and getting through some of it, that's success to me. So I don't necessarily, I try to keep a positive um, attitude 
towards what's not accomplished yet, because I will get to it. Um, and every now and then, sitting back and reflecting. Actually, I reflect more often than probably the normal person. I think, like, for me, it's almost sometimes daily, sometimes weekly. Mm. I'm like, okay, what's not, like, okay, like, I need to switch this. So, like, I don't wait until, like, I'm completely burnt out. Um, I, like, the, I start to recognize those signals, and I'm like, okay, time to <laughs> see, like, where um, I need to change. Um, and so that is pretty, that's success to me. Uh, I think just awareness and acknowledging, you know, the, our fears, our failures and moving forward, um, you know, or dropping them completely. Um, to me, that's success. Beautiful. How do people find you? How do people find Koda? Uh, what would be helpful? Um, definitely follow us on our social media platforms across the platforms. It's at Kura, Kura app, C-U-R-A-H-A-P-P. Ikram, thank you so much for your time and uh, all the you. best as you build and grow and enjoy life. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for making time to listen. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite service and consider leaving a review. Until next time. Keep living beyond the check.